Good morning. It's good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service. I know we our number still is down from this normal number. We know we miss those who are uh, separating themselves from us and, and uh, remaining out. We, we, know, we know that we miss them and we welcome them to come back and we're ready for them to come back. But uh, we're definitely appreciative to have the ones in attendance with us here at Booth Chapel this morning. This morning I want us to uh, turn to Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews. We're going to start in chapter 2 and verse 1. But before we do that, we've got to back up. Imagine that. Here at Booth Chapel in our Bible class, we have a very well-nourished reverse gear. How we like to back up. <laughs> so we're going to back up in Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to read just a few verses before we get into our lesson because the word, the first word we're going to read in our lesson is the word therefore. So when you see therefore, of course, in your Bible study and you're diving into the scriptures, you need to back up and see what it's there for. Here in Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to actually start in the 10th verse and we're going to read about a rest and we're going to read about the neglection of the admission of rest for some individuals. Starting in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 1. And you, the Lord, in the beginning said the laid the foundation of the world and the heavens and the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up. And they will be changed, and, but you will be the same. And, you, and your years will not fail. But to the angels he never said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And there are, are there not all ministering spirits sent forth to ministering to those who will inherit salvation? Verse 2. Uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Let's stop there in the first verse of, of chapter 2 of Hebrews. The word drift. Have you ever seen a piece of driftwood? You ever seen a boat that's untied, that's out there just kind of floating around? Well, it's kind of driven to and fro, and all by all the force of the winds and the currents of the waters, that boat or that piece of driftwood will just slowly be carried about. Be carried about by the wind and the waters. Now, this, this is a direct representation of our spiritual lives. We need to remember about salvation. We need to remember about the saving of our souls on Judgment Day. That's our goal as, as spiritually minded people, those who have given their heart to God and their lives to Christ, living out our lives as faithful children of God. We need to remember what salvation really is. We need to remember what salvation cost us as humans, as a child of God, and what it costs God for us to have salvation. Artists read this morning in First John about the idea of a propitiation. Christ paying our sin debt. Folks, he went to the cross for us. He died that excruciating death so we may have salvation. So let's not neglect it. You know, you ever seen something that's been neglected? Well, I'm going to use our, our, our property over here behind the church, right? It's, it's been neglected in certain areas. And it's grown up. It looks horrible, right? Now I have more work cut out for me now than I had in the beginning. Neglect. We cannot neglect our salvation. When we keep our salvations fresh into our minds, what, again, what it cost us, that life of servitude to God, which is a wonderful thing because we've given up sin, we've given up the ways of the world, 
That's foreign to us. We're no longer participating. We should not be. We're no longer participating in sin. Now we've given our lives to God through faithful service until the point of death or when Christ comes back, will we achieve salvation? I hear so many times over and over again, well, so-and-so is in heaven waiting for us to come back. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. Not yet. Because judgment has not happened yet. No one's in heaven. You might say, what? What do you mean no one's in heaven yet? Christ and God's in heaven. We haven't had 100% uh, proof that Enoch and Elijah is in heaven. We do know that God's in heaven. We do know that Christ is in heaven. And the angels are in heaven. That's it. After Judgment Day, when we partake those who have been faithful, when we partake of salvation, when we're given that promise, that wonderful gift from God, then we get to partake of the mansions that Christ goes on to prepare for us. Right? That's what he told his disciples. Where I'm going, you can't follow yet. I go on to prepare a place for you. Well, there are many mansions. There's much room. But unfortunately, it will not be full. You might think, what? what are you talking about it won't be full? Sin will condemn us. When we lose sight of our, of our salvation because we understand that Christ gave his life for us cross, for, up on that cross for our sins. We need to remember what it cost God. We do understand that God hates sin. He separates himself from sin. Isaiah 59, 2, I use that verse often because this needs to be fresh into our minds. Our sins and our iniquities separates us from our God. It separates us from salvation. We had a, a scenario this morning and a good discussion in our Bible class about how you think Christ is going to feel to condemn those who he died for. Not too good. It's going to break his heart. But unfortunately, he is that just judge. God, folks, is a just judge. Now when I say that, His Word is the truth. And He's going to measure up, measure our, our lives as we will give an account of what the things we have done, whether good or bad, on that day. And the things we have done are bad. Everlasting punishment. Where Christ says, depart from my lift. For I never knew you. That's going to be sad. Not only for those who hear those things, but for Jesus himself. That's going to be sad. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. Back to drift. Are we that boat? Are we that piece of wood that failed to get tied off? I can remember one time when uh, my dad and I was fishing in the little, little boat of my, of my granddad and he had to go up to the store and I was going to go up with him and he made sure that boat was tied off. Four Elk River's flowing, right? It's, it's constantly flowing. Now I realize why he wanted to make sure that boat was tied off. We was a long way off from the truck. It was a long either swim or a walk. He wanted to make sure that boat was still there so it didn't drift away. Now, in spiritual relationship with that, we need to anchor ourselves to Christ. That's a wonderful lesson for not drifting away because once we drift away, we tend to get farther and farther away from Christ. Here, we don't need to drift away. Lest we drift away, the things we don't need to do to drift away from God because we need to have that more earnest heed in verse 1. 
to take note of it, to know what it's going to be to be in the glory of God. My mind goes back to Philip as he is about to be stoned to death. He looked up into the heavens and he's seen Christ sitting at the right hand of God. He's seen Christ with God in heaven. What a blessing. Folks, we will see that one day. Those who are faithful, we're going to see that. We need to make sure we're doing all the things in our power to be obedient to God. That being said, Revelations 2.10 says for a church that's fixing to endure some serious persecution, he tells them, he promises us today, those in the church, be ye faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Doesn't that sound wonderful? To have salvation. Well, let's look at the origination of the word of salvation. means saved. Saved from what? Eternal damnation. Saved from the fall. Saved from the lake of fire. Saved from the presence of Satan forever. Shall I go home? I don't need to. So therefore, salvation is designed for you. Salvation is designed for me. Salvation is designed for those who are disobedient in God's eyes who need to repent. They must repent. Turning away from those sinful things just as you and I once did. Now, does that make us not sinners? I did not say that. We are justified sinners. We do fall short. We do disobey God. For being a Christian is difficult. Walking in the light is difficult. Therefore, we must put our best foot forward to be obedient to God. And when we realize we have sinned, when we realize we have fallen short, when we realize we have neglected our salvation, we need to stop doing those things that separate us from our God. Remember Isaiah 59 too? Our sins. The things that we do are displeasing in the eyes of God. Stop doing those things and come back to Him. Through repentance, through confession, He was faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The things that we have heard, the instructions from God, let's do them. Christ says, you abide in my love if you keep my, my commandments. Those commandments He received from His Father, from God. Are we keeping Christ's commandments? If we're not keeping all of his commandments, we're not abiding in his love. Chapter 2, verse 2 of Hebrews. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Verse 2, I've said reward does not have to, reward, excuse me, reward does not automatically constitute something good. It doesn't. Verse 2 says, Every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. What did Satan get for, this, uh, for trying to be equal to God? He couldn't, he couldn't. He had to be above God. He wanted to be the ruler. What did Satan get? Cast out of heaven. Into outer darkness. And that lake of fire that's designed for him and all the false prophets and all those followers of Satan, we're going to get back to that time constraining, for that lake of fire, for an eternity. 
That was designed, designed for some for this every transgression and disobedience. Let's look at our transgressions and our disobedience as people. I don't mean the church. I mean people in general. We're going to get back to the church. Let's look at people's disobedience. Our transgressions, our sins, they're going to receive a just reward. You know what that just reward is for sin? It's death. The second death. Revelation 21, 8 speaks of that second death. And the very few acts that involves with that second death. So therefore, our sins and our iniquities, we're going to receive a reward, reward of death. Revelations, we read that, excuse me, Romans, we read that this morning, Romans chapter 1 in verse 32. My dyslexia almost kicked in again, I almost said 23. Verse 32, the things that we condone, the things we don't speak up against, we are condoning sin, we know those sinful acts are worthy of death and the condonement or the participation or the allowance or the just let it happen. Sin, that attitude, is deserving of death as well. So we can't condone sin. We can't go along with it. We can't let it be present in the church for it condemns it. As we are condoning sin, as we're allowing it to happen, we're worthy of that death and that's the reward. In verse 2, death. Folks, Christ offers life. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, truth, and the life. He offers us life. And they carry on in 14, 6, No one comes to the Father except through or by me, whichever version you have. I believe the King James Version has says by. New King James is through, which is exactly what it means. We can't get to God unless we go through Christ. We can't do it. Some folks might look at me funny there. It says, well, he says it. I didn't. Jesus Christ himself told us that no one comes to the Father except through me. So what does that say about our separation from God? What does that say about our iniquities? What does that say about our iniquities and our relationship with God? There isn't one. There's a lack of relationship when our sins involve and take over. Isaiah 59, 2, I believe it says that it separates us from our God. So can we have sin and come to God? Yes, through repentance. But what happens when we neglect our salvation is what verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2 is talking about. What happens when we neglect it? Let's answer that question real quickly. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. I know I've used this verse several times. Hebrews 10. Oh, 1 chapter 4. Chapter 10, verse 26. Now this is again... Those who are neglecting their salvation know what it is to have salvation and neglect it. Because chapter 2 verse 1 of Hebrews says, Therefore we, as children of God, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Because we don't want to drift away, right? Because when we drift away, this happens. Hebrews 10 verse 26. For if we sin willfully, there you go, drifting away, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, heard the things not giving more earnest, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Uh-oh, that propitiation, that sacrifice, that sin debt that was paid, it don't, it's, it's no longer there. It don't exist for you anymore. Huh? You might have said, well, wait a minute. But God loves me. He loves you enough to offer an opportunity to have your sins remitted. But a certain, verse 27 
Well, a certain fearful expectation of judgment. Now, with those words now echoing in your mind, and you have sin in your heart, you have yet to turn away from the things that separate you from God, guess who you are? You are an enemy of God. An adversary, the same, very same thing that Satan is. Jesus Christ told those Jews, back in Romans, if I'm not mistaken, he told them that their father is not Abraham, their father is not God, their father is Satan. They thought Abraham, they thought God was their father. Because they answered both, they answered that one question with two answers, Abraham and, and God. They kind of crawfished, if you will. They changed direction. And Jesus assured them that neither one is their father, Satan is their father. He's the adversary of God. Verse 27 continuing, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignations which will devour, here's the words, the adversaries. Are you an adversary of God this morning? Does that sacrifice for sins remain? Because if you neglect your salvation, as we're talking about in Hebrews 2, if you neglect it, it's not there. You're an adversary of God. And you should be expecting this fiery indignation. That lake of fire is designed for Satan and his angels. And all the false prophets, all of his followers. That just reward with sin in their hearts. Now I do say there's two resurrections. There's two rewards in our context of verse 2. Two, if we're faithful, if we realize this morning we have sinned if we realize this morning we are not where we should be spiritually we need to do a turnaround we need to have a course correction and no longer be an adversary of god but an advocate with god not against god because if we stand against god it's very sad it's going to be very sad on judgment day if we stand with god the scriptures tell us who can be against us if god is with us it's encouraging. It's very encouraging. So if we continue with that thought of neglecting our salvation, all right, so verse 3 of Hebrews 2. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which is at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You're not. It's impossible to get away from God. We can remember, I just lost his name. The, the thought just came to me. I didn't prepare that, that, that example. Jonah. Wow, Jonah, Jeremy, got swallowed by the great fish, right? He tried to get away from God, did he not? He tried to get away from him. And in the belly of that great fish, he prayed to his God that he may have salvation. They may be saved from such a dire circumstance. And in doing so, look what he did. He was saved. The great fish spat him out onto the land. And after that, he walked with God and Nineveh was overturned. The outcome of Nineveh was overturned. We can change. We can change from this dire circumstance and neglecting our salvation to taking hold of our salvation and conditioning it making sure it's the very best thing that we own, making sure it's our number one priority in our lives. Now, when I say that, number one priority in our lives, not letting nothing come between you and your God. 
as so much today does. An excuse. Let's look at an excuse. Will an excuse cost us salvation? Yes. An excuse. Well, I was, I was too tired. I was too afraid. Folks, <laughs> scriptures tell us to do not be afraid. Artists even read this morning. Brother Artist read this morning and really, really came around to the idea of this examples of this lesson. To not be afraid. Because if we're afraid, if we're fearful, we have in mind, we have an absence of God in our hearts. To not be afraid. Because again, I just mentioned this a few minutes ago. If God is with us, who can be against us? No one. For he's the Almighty. So therefore, the idea of neglecting our salvation does not need to happen. The greater part, more of the these days, as so many people separate themselves from the church, the church is under fire, this, it's been misrepresented, let's make sure we're not neglecting our salvation. Because in doing so, we will get that just reward of eternal punishment, of that fiery indignation as we read a little bit later in Hebrews 10, verse 26. So we can't escape. In verse 3, we're not going to escape God. Now picture this. You have neglected your salvation throughout your life, and all of a sudden, judgment day is here. You're fixing to stand before God. How do you feel? You, well, you want to crawl under a rock. You want to get under a of some, you'll get in a cave to get away from God. And I understand there's not going to be that type of situation. But you're going to want to hide. You remember Adam and Eve. What's the first thing they did when they heard God's voice walking through the garden? They wanted to hide. They hid themselves. They, was, they wanted to get away from God. For he, he's going to see us. He's going to know what we did. He already knew what they did. He knew what they was going to do before they was even created. Before the foundations of anything, he knew what they were going to do. Let's make sure we are standing before our God truly and honestly unafraid by not neglecting our salvation, by conditioning, by holding on to it, by growing off of it, by letting it be the most dearest treasure that we have and make sure those treasures are laid up in heaven. And in verse 4, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. We think about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, our minds go to the apostles. But I will tell you a little bit of a sneak peek of this. If you're faithful to God, you get a little portion of that Holy Spirit. You might think, what? Wait a minute, huh? Excuse me, Peter says, to those who are faithful, God gives a portion. Now, this is paraphrasing. I can't, the, the book, chapter, and verse just escaped me. He says we get a portion of it to those who are faithful. That's a wonderful encouragement. So let's make sure we're doing one thing this morning. Let's make sure we're not neglecting our salvation. Because as we neglect our salvation, that just reward is coming. To know this, we have an opportunity to change the outcome of that judgment this morning. To go from neglecting to cherishing our salvation. Does that change need to happen this morning? For we encourage it. God, He commands it. 
He, he tells us to turn away from our sins. Have nothing to do with Satan because he's tempting you. He's trying to steer you away from God. Tell him, I want nothing to do with you. For you can't offer me one thing. Walking hand in hand with Satan will land you in a lake of fire for an eternity. Pain and suffering where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's tell Satan won't nothing to do with it. So get behind these Satan. By the same thing Christ told him. Let's walk hand in hand with God to remember his promise to those who are faithful. Everlasting life. Because our sin debt's been paid. We just got to come to him and give our everything that we have to him. To cast out fear, to put on our very best, now I mean our very best personality, our very best effort to serve God. I don't mean our clothes. That's not what I meant. I mean our everything that we have for the betterment of God, to glorify Him in our everyday walks of life, to not neglect our salvation. Have you neglected your salvation this morning? Have you taken that short walk with Satan? Have you yet to be baptized for the remission of sins? In doing so, you're lost. Let's come away from Satan and say, honey, my sin's washed away. I've heard the gospel. I know what I need to do. Let's put our best foot forward and start our spiritual walk with God through that baptismal act. Don't wait. for Therefore, we don't know when Christ is coming. Have, again, have you taken that short walk with Satan? Have you been immersed for the remission of your sins? Do you need to tell Satan, I'm, I, I faltered God. I don't walk with you anymore. I'm coming back to my father. He welcomes you back with open arms through confession, through repentance. Does that need to happen this morning? Do you need prayers at the church? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing a song of invitation?